are tuning in to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. My name is Bree, and you can find me at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. Check out the show notes for more information, including a link to my website. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. Hey there, yogis. It's Breezy Bree, and I'm so sorry for interrupting the show and our flow. But did you know that you could help support the podcast in a very simple way? I mean, let's face it, you were already going to buy yoga pants, right? As a Lululemon influencer, I'm part of the Lululemon Collective and will receive a commission if you make a purchase through the links below in the show notes. So please purchase your Lululemon yoga pants and all your other gear and join the hashtag The Sweat Life with me and support the yoga podcast. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Namaste. Namaste, yogis, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Love Breezy Bree Yoga Podcast. Today, I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into really discussing the seated variation of forward fold. Now, this posture is not always accessible to everyone for various reasons, but mostly because the posture actually releases the tight muscles in our hamstrings and our calf muscles, and sometimes even in our quadriceps and hip flexors. And even if you find yourself being able to really just dominate the standing variation of forward fold, but you find that in the seated version, it just doesn't feel the same to the body. Well, that is probably because those postures really do present themselves in two complete different ways, standing versus seated. Standing really can be more accessible to most practitioners and mostly because you have this weight of gravity that is allowing you to really sink into the posture. Also, you can make a lot more modifications from the standing variation. And you don't have to think about necessarily how the body's positioned in the spine as much as you need to when you're seated. Now, the seated version of forward folding and forward bending is typically more advanced than standing as well. And blocks and straps and things of that nature can really help improve both the standing and the seated variation. So let's go ahead and let's just focus on seated forward fold. And I want to invite you throughout this episode to really think about how this shows up in your practice. And also remember that you can take some of these tips and tricks onto the mat immediately, really just enhancing your personal practice in every way, shape, and form that we can get you to, right? Now, I also want you to keep in mind that there are lineages and disciplines of yoga and from the asana practice perspective, the postures that really encourage a certain type of alignment in the body and the spine and the legs and that sort of thing. So setting that aside, we've discussed a lot of different yoga disciplines on the podcast and some have some ways of going about their sequencing that really makes sense for why they do what they do. So if you practice one of the, one of those, um, 
type of practices or those type of disciplines that doesn't really allow you to think outside the box, although you can always for sure honor your body and whatever it needs, regardless of what type of discipline you practice. Just know that today we're not talking about a discipline in particular. We're just discussing yoga, asana, and this particular practice or this particular posture, I should say, by itself. So we're going to kind of take it out of any other preconceived notion of a discipline that you might actually resonate with and be thinking about this pose. So try to erase your brain when you think of that because I know for some practitioners, you know, you can really be married to an idea of alignment and and how a pose should look and how it should feel. And we're just going to talk about this from the perspective of the pose as it stands alone and how it meets the body, okay? So forward folds are actually some of the most calming of poses. But if your body is tight in the posture and, of course, your nervous system's entire job is to give you a nice alarm to warn you when your body is uncomfortable. And that's why pratyama and breathing through those difficult postures becomes even more crucial so that you can activate that parasympathetic nervous system, really reminding the body that you're safe, you're calm and collected. But hey, it's our body's job to kind of give us a warning like, hello, this is uncomfortable. This does not feel good. I want you to stop, right? So it's fine if when you're in a forward fold that you don't necessarily feel the effects that the pose is supposed to generate for you because, you know, your muscles are tight or, you know, maybe some other reason. So that's fine. But the idea of the posture, the idea of forward folds is to calm the mind, especially when you're in the standing variation, right? Your head's below heart. Anytime you're in an inversion, you're bringing blood to the brain. It's calming the mind. It's, you know, calming the body and it has that effect. Now, when you're um, folding forward in a seated variation, although you're not in that same type of inversion, it still has this way of compressing the body together in a very soothing way, ideally. Now, as we actually drape the upper body over the legs or over the ground in front of us, the mind tends to draw inward. So this allows us to tune out the noisiness of the world, right? And really become more and more introspective. So when done properly, it actually helps to create length and greater breath awareness in the entire back of the body, and to find more ease in our posture. So think child's pose, that feeling of breathing nice and wide, expanding the lungs against the rib cage, really opening up the back of the body and being able to relax deeper into the posture on every exhale. Well, that's the idea when you're in these seated forward folds as well, right? However, as mentioned, when you push beyond that uh, wherever you are in your current flexibility, you tend to kind of bring yourself out of that because as we were discussing, the nervous system's entire job at that point is to ring the bell, is to fire off the alarm. So it wants you to stop doing whatever is making you uncomfortable. And it's actually encouraging the stress to build in the body, right? It's really activating those sensors. And so breathing through that and calming the body back down is really important. But 
you know, in that split moment, you are definitely kind of teetering in and out of that world, that yogic state. So also we want to observe the body in a way of like, where are we carrying old injury? Where do we have maybe new injury? And dealing with injury and discomfort that can be traced back to, you know, anything that really prohibits and doesn't allow you to really enjoy your asana practice will really take you out of the whole concept of practicing yoga. So we want to really be mindful of that and not just ignore it or pretend that it doesn't exist. So that's why I also don't want to discuss this posture in any respect to any disciplines of yoga. So just in its own right and on its own, forward folds, can be really relaxing, but they can also be really uncomfortable. So first we want to know how to fold the body safely. So you want to start with having this non-competitive attitude, even just with yourself. It's often that we tend to want to really encourage the body to be more flexible than it is. And I think it's almost inherent, but it really does push you past that really safe zone. And we want to stay in that safe zone and allow the body to naturally expand itself over time and and find yourself being able to have more accessibility in the posture. We also want to be really open and mindful and encourage ourselves to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Just open to using props. You know, a lot of times we want to touch the toes and we don't want anything to assist us in doing that. And I think that's a mistake on so many levels. Now, we want to also understand that understanding your body and making that mind-body connection is so much more important than the cue that the teacher is providing when you're in this particular posture. Yes, understand, listen, and observe, but really pay more attention to what your body needs. And the last few weeks, we've been talking a lot about this, and I think it's just ever so important when we're thinking about postures because you want to tune back into what's important to your own personal practice more than you want to really try to manage getting into the pose you know, by any means necessary. And again, anytime we're encouraged to touch the toes in any capacity, we'll find ourselves pushing past the limit just to get there. So make sure you focus on healthy movement of the body more than you are focused on the result, okay, or making the shape with your with your postures and trying to just get yourself into it. So there is not a wrong way and there's not a right way of doing anything, but we want to make sure that we are honoring the spine and we understand that the spine extends all the way through the back of the neck. So when you're seated and you're folding forward, you're not like creating this like pushing your neck out of the turtle shell, you know, kind of, I think of running a race and you have you know, you stick your neck out to kind of make it through the finish line just that millisecond sooner than your opponent. This is not what we're trying to do in this particular posture, okay? So you want to make sure that you are completely practicing pain-free and you're not encouraging the body to accumulate any injury from actually practicing yoga. So pulling the knees, um, or I should say pulling the head toward the knees 
is not the goal. So it's not pushing your head into that finish line to make it through the race and to win number one. It's actually drawing your heart forward. So your head just happens to come by proxy of that. And when you lead with your heart, you're really going to notice that you can honor the spine and you can honor the neck in your yoga practice much, much, much more. You know, we don't want to excessively round the thoracic curve of the spine. We don't want to force the legs to become straighter. We don't want to lengthen the body in a way that's not organically natural to the sides of the body, but more that we're just forcing the body. I I like to tell my students, do not make go-go gadget arms, right? You're not looking to just extend your arms as far as they'll go so they can catch your toes. You're looking to really encourage the body to lengthen itself through multiple consistency of practices, okay? So again, remembering that the heart's coming toward the knee or the heart is in the general direction of the knees. That's really an important distinction, I think. So this is going to keep that integrity in your spine. This is going to keep the integrity in the spinal disc that can become compressed and excessively rounding forward bends which is not the purpose and the goal of the posture, right? We don't want to risk compressing the front or back of the body in any way that's unnatural, okay? And you want to protect the fragile hamstring attachments that can tear when the body is forced into a deep stretch. So we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a second. Also, thinking that your knees have to be straight is one of the biggest mistakes that we can tend to make by accident. Keeping a slight bend in the knees is something that I wish that we really just focused on more than focusing on having these hyperextensions of straight legs, okay? I always tell my students just nice, soft, gentle knees and taking the knees into a deeper bend even is absolutely important. I like to begin with bent knees, rather I'm in a standing forward fold or a seated variation. And as I fold at the hips, I then later decide if my legs can extend further. So starting with bent knees and then slowly extending them would be a nice little way to have, I think, a gentle way of getting into any type of true flexibility, warranting forward fold, right? So we all want to compress the body. We all want to have this perfect forward fold, but bend the knees and then as you begin to lengthen the legs, the body will decide where your stopping point should be instead of the opposite. Also, this forces you to have more of a straight or I should say neutralized spine Instead of focusing on straight legs, you're focusing on a nice neutral spine. The legs will become secondary to that, okay? So don't think that you're in a lesser variation or version of the pose ever if your legs are not lengthened all the way. If you lead with your yoga practice by leading with the spine, you will quickly adopt this better attitude, I think, of really just encouraging your body to be in the proper anatomical alignment for you. 
So you're not trying to look like the yoga pose in the magazine or online or on Instagram. You're trying to look like the yoga pose for your body, okay? So just kind of paying attention to that and really asking yourself if you're taking yourself to the edge and but not leaping over it at any point, okay? So also we want to be mindful of the hip flexion, the pelvic flexion at all times because, again, that starts to manipulate the spine, and the spine is the most important part of the practice. Another thing we want to be mindful of is lifting the chin too much and compressing the back of the neck. Again, the neck is the extension of the spine, and so we want to be really cognizant of what we're doing with the back of the body here. So just paying attention to where the chin placement is, really thinking about mountain pose, I talk about mountain pose all the time on the podcast and your tin, your tin, your chin, <laughs> it's late. I'm recording this so late, by the way, but your chin is not overtly tucked and it's not too high toward the sky. It's just right like Goldilocks is what I always say. But really, to be honest, just kind of being focused on where your dristy is. So... I know we hear lots of different things. Gaze at your big toes, um, you know, gaze at your knees. Which is it? You know, which one is going to really result in being mindful of where the neck placement truly is, right? So when students actually gaze at their big toes, they might find that they're lifting their chin too much and compressing the back of the neck while keeping the upper back in an overly rounded position. So we don't want to do that, but we also don't want to look down in such a way to where we're tucking the chin into chest and we're also creating the opposite effect of the flexion. So you want to just find that nice neutralized spine all the way through the neck and you're going to have to play around with this. I like to think of cat cows, you know, with your chin coming into chest and out of chest but really focusing on the back of the neck. Being mindful if you feel any stiffness or numbness among other things populating in the posture and just honoring whatever's showing up and bringing yourself out of whatever it is immediately. Overarching the lower back. So kind of thinking about when you're in a standing forward fold and we tend to swan dive down, you might overly arch the back into like this duck-like position with your tail well we don't want to do that in any variation so we don't want to do that in a seated forward fold we don't want to do that in a standing forward fold so we want to have this um nice neutralized pelvic tilt so it's not at 12 o'clock and it's not at six o'clock so again back to neutralizing the spine always thinking about creating that nice just elongated, not overemphasized part of any part of the body, okay? It's going to take some getting used to what your body looks and feels like in different flexions, but it's worth spending time understanding that, wholeheartedly worth it, okay? So folding at the hip creases sounds like a very useful cue, especially for those who tend to round forward. But if a student is actually prone to excessive lumbar curving, then this cue is not encouraging, you know, that practitioner to (laughs) kind of chill on the overly or excessively arching of the lower back. So instead, really thinking about maintaining abdominal engagement with that neutralized spine is going to be the way to go. So, 
If you understand Mula Banda and Uliala Banda, you can really engage the bandas here, creating length in the side body, neutralizing the spine and the pelvic tilt, and then finding your breath and then taking any variation of the fold and really taking your time again getting there, right? So if you're in a standing variation, the halfway um, forward fold and then lifting to neutralize the spine is really important as you exhale to make it deeper, but not making it deeper by rounding the spine, right? Making it deeper from a place of a nice neutralization. So again, just taking time learning that concept is going to be extremely important. Don't think that this is something you have to master overnight, but it is something that will really lend itself to you having a much more accessible yoga practice. And these types of postures show up dozens of times in a lot of, you know, vinyasa flows or just flow sequences in general, um, sun salutations, of course. And in the seated variation, because I'm thinking the standing variation there, in the seated variation, it can definitely find itself in a lot of postures because you're going to probably start from Dandasana, which is a very um, primitive posture to all the seated variations of postures once you're in the last parts of a yoga sequence. So if you still find that this is not as accessible to your body, even with some of the cues from today's um, podcast episode, Think of a couple of extra things you can do with props. So I love to place a block under the back of my knees and then fold forward into, you know, my um, quadriceps into my thighs. So that's a nice way to get into a nice, beautiful forward fold. It usually feels really comfortable. It's a nice restorative practice. You can also roll up a blanket or a bolster and place it under the knees. So again, you could take another yoga mat and roll it up under the knees. So just encouraging the knees to be slightly bent is the idea here. Using a strap is a beautiful way of getting into the posture as well. And you can really engage the fold with breath when you're not so much focused on the hands reaching the toes or the ankles or the feet or what have you. You can really allow the strap to do its job as the prop and you can really focus on how it feels in the back of the leg or in the tail, the root, you know, that sort of thing. And I love straps for this reason because it really allows you to focus more on the breath and folding into the posture in the seated variation. Another great way of Really taking your forward fold seated variation to the next level is to just do one leg at a time, you know? When we're folding forward in any capacity with both legs in the posture, so this could also be butterfly or bound angle pose or fire log pose, any of those postures where the legs are, or even lotus for that matter, anytime the legs are both engaging in the forward fold, you're really opening up both hips at the same time. It's going to make the posture a little bit more difficult or less accessible, especially if your nervous system is ringing that alarm really loud. So a good way to mitigate this is to just keep one leg lengthened and bring one leg in. 
And then the leg that is lengthened is going to get the challenge with the hip flexor all the way through the hamstring, quadriceps, and back of back in front front of the leg, right? All the way from the hip bone to the toes. The leg that's bent, rather, you're bringing the bottom of the foot into the inner thigh. So like a seated tree variation is what I like to think of here. Or you are in half lotus, although that has a different hip opener, actually. So just making it as simple as possible by only focusing on stretching one leg at a time, you're going to notice a huge difference. Same thing when you're lying on your back and you're trying to stretch one leg toward chest or you are folding um, your heart up towards your thigh or towards your knee in a seated variation. Doing one leg at a time feels very different than two legs at a time. So this is a nice way for you to try to mitigate any of that inflexibility that you're noticing by doing both legs at once. Again, focusing on the spine is going to be more important than focusing on your legs being straight and your hands touching toes. That's true in the standing, lying, or seated variation of forward folding. Engaging the bandhas, I'm just reiterating some of this here. Engaging the bandhas will allow the body to collapse more together on the exhale. And remember, deep inhalations and deep exhalations allows the body to seep into postures a little bit deeper. And then never taking yourself too seriously. Don't make this a competition between you and anybody else or even between you and yourself. Allow each time that you practice to be brand new. I don't even like the saying of every day you practice, you get better because that's not true in this particular discipline. Maybe in some other physical modality, that's a truth. But honestly, yoga affects everyone differently every single time they practice because it's really dependent on what's happening. Once you connect mind, body, and spirit, it's no longer just this physical practice. It's so much more and there's so much that's affecting the practice the good, the bad, and in between. So really just treating every time you hit the mat as its own separate moment, living in time and space, paying attention to your mindset and what it is you're trying to accomplish, and maybe letting go any accomplishments altogether, right? Not trying to accomplish anything could also be the most beautiful goal. So I hope that this even just allows you to start thinking about your practice when it comes to forward bending, knowing that it's not supposed to be a challenge in a way that makes you hate them. I've talked to students who just don't like them. They they almost feel like there's this inadequacy that populates because it's a, a fast reminder that you can't touch your toes, for instance. I want you to rethink this concept and hopefully allow this to add value to your practice every single posture that is sequenced into a yoga class should be able to add some sort of value to your practice for your body we just have to figure that out we just have to make that connection and then before you know it you'll find that your practice can become really well-rounded for you Never be afraid to use props. Never be afraid to modify or make a variation that makes sense for you on that day. Understand that there are some disciplines of yoga that doesn't lend themselves to a lot of different modifications and variations and props even. But that doesn't mean that you cannot still practice in a way that is suitable for you. 
I've talked about this in so many other different episodes. I don't want to harp too much on that today. But I can tell you from my personal practice, I've used straps when no one else was using them. I've used blocks when no one else was using them. And I'm really proud of me trusting my own practice and knowing that I wanted this to be a part of my life forever, not just for the moment. And if you're not really from the mindset of honoring your practice, you will at some point in your yoga journey experience a yoga-related injury. And it's not fun. And typically it comes from just not understanding that you could have made a modification or you could have honored your body in a different way or you didn't listen to what the body was saying. You ignored the warning signs that were showing up in your practice. Listen to all of that because it's important that you have longevity and consistency than it is that you're trying to necessarily like master something. One day when you're practicing out of nowhere, something really amazing for your mindset will just show up on the mat. Every single practitioner has had that moment where whatever it is, It could be meditating, it could be pratyama, it could be an asana pose, it could be a lifestyle concept that just hit home, whatever it is, everyone's had that experience where they're just practicing and boom, it appears, whatever it is. And um, I have to tell you, it's truly life-changing and if that hasn't already happened to you, that day will come. And that is really where you find yourself solidifying that yoga is going to be a part of your life forever. Because it will. It will do something to change your life forever. So good luck with your forward bends, standing or seated. And extra love and TLC to to those who have that inflexibility and you can feel every single ligament and fiber of the muscle when you're folding and when you're attempting to touch the toes and that's when you really notice how tight the back of the body is and just remember that the most important thing is that your spine is honored your body is honored and your practice is honored allow yoga to meet you on the mat because it most definitely will thank you for listening namaste I am so honored that you are listening to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. Never miss an episode. Download the free app on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Please also rate the show with five stars. I would greatly appreciate that. Visit me on my website at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. I include free yoga sequences every single month. You can leave a comment or message me and we can connect. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful personal practice. Namaste.